So right about now, second week in January, that's when all the gym memberships that everybody got, they're thinking right now, man, why did I do that, you know? And for those you diehard folks that are still kicking it, man, good for you. We applaud you. We celebrate you. Man, you are so awesome. Like, you just keep going after, right? We'll talk back in another week and see if you're still doing it. So, it, but what we're talking about today is, is a series called The Core, and it's not about the physical core, although I did take some of this from the idea, but we're talking about more of a spiritual core, and not just in your spirit, but some other areas of your life. But I'll tell you this, just since I, I shared this last week, so I started uh, eating a little different, some different things. I cut out some things I was eating for breakfast. I used to eat a lot of you know, heavy breakfast, things like that, and so I cut a lot of that and went to some different things. To, it wasn't feeling very good, and one of the things as I was reading about, I used to lift weights years ago. I mean, listen, like when we did it years ago, we were younger, all it was was about how much can you lift. And it, listen, if you're younger, that's probably still the thing, but that's not the right thing. Who cares how much you can lift? Because later in life, that don't matter. It's how much can you use what you got, you know what I'm saying? So like when you, when you lift back then, it was all about strength. Who can bench press the most? Who can squat the most? Who can literally put the muscle on, right? That was the thing. Well, now what I've realized is it's not so much about that. The whole idea of strength conditioning is really about the core. Like who cares if you can bench press the back end of a car if you can't stand up straight? All, who cares if you can bench press if you can't do anything with it outside of the bench, right? So the core is now what people are realizing, and you can do this now no matter what age you are. As you get older, there's strength conditioning now for balance. Why? Because many times as we get older, you don't use certain muscles, and your body just isn't used to it, and you get out there to try to be cool one day because you played ball when you were like 15, and you're now 55. You can't zig and zag like you... But your mind says you can. So you try. And that's when you get hurt. But the strengthening the core, doing some strength conditioning physically will help you in your mobility and things like that. And this is not about exercise. But I'm taking that now and think about this. If it works for the body, how much more than if you strengthen your core spiritually would it help you in your life? It would help you in decision making. It would help you in your relationships. It would help you in your family, your friends, your job. It's all about strengthening the core. So that's what we're going to talk about. Last week, we talked about the heart. This week, we're going to talk about your voice. And you may think, what, how is my voice, what does that have to do with the core of my life? How many of you communicated to someone in this church today via your voice? Raise your hand. Uh-huh. And if you didn't, we also communicate through sign language, but it's still communicating the thing you want to say from in here. And if you don't communicate with your voice, eventually you will communicate. But it comes out a little bit different than maybe what you wanted. You have facial expressions. And no matter what you say, well, I don't want to say anything, it's obvious you do. We can see it on your face. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I can't keep a straight face along with that. What, what's the matter? If you're smiling, people know you're happy. If you're, if you're crying, people know you're sad. If you're, your emotions say something, and when you say, nothing, I don't want to talk about it, you may not want to talk about it, but your heart is saying, please do, before I explode. I need to share something. Your voice is a vital part of your core. But here's the problem with the voice. In our society today, it is not a comfortable thing to use. It is now so common that people are now, if you do this, I'm not picking, just listen. We're now asking people out on dates via text. Would you like to go out on a date? Listen, I got three girls. Soapbox moment. I got three girls. 
And as they get older, some knothead's going to come around. No problem. Got no problem with that. Don't text my girls asking them, can you take them on a date? You wuss. <laughs> Off my soapbox. If you've done that, please forgive me. I love you in Jesus' name. But the, problem, the reason why we do it is because it's so much easier, isn't it? If you get rejected, oh, no big deal. Unless they blast you out there on some kind of social media site. Look what he said. Last year. No, whatever. That'd be bad, wouldn't it? Never thought about that, huh? See, if you say vocally, maybe, you know, they can't post that. But the reason it's easier to do text because if they say no, no big deal. And so our culture today is so communication illiterate because we are so consumed with how we text and, and, and do Facebook and post and social media. We don't really know how to talk anymore. And yet is the core of God's creative being within you is your voice. In the beginning, God created the world and he said, let there be light. Everything God did, he created with his voice. Much of what you do, you may not believe this, but you create in your life by your voice. And if you say things like, I'll never be anything, I never can do anything, I'll never, guess what? Chances are you probably won't. But if you say, I am going to do this, I will make this happen, the chances of you succeeding in that are much greater. Your voice is a big part of your life. So, but because of this issue, I'm going to talk a couple of things. It may sound like I'm talking about public speaking, but I'm not. But I want to share a couple of things with you that we have, first of all, a public voice. This is the part that I'm using right now. I am public speaking right now, which you already know that. Do you realize I was in ninth grade, I believe it was, maybe a little earlier, I can't remember. We had to do oral presentation. Remember those in school? You guys had to do some of that stuff yet? That's real fun, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if you don't like to do presentations verbally, right? So for me, I didn't want to do that. You may not believe this. You may think right now, that's crazy. I took a goose egg for that assignment. Do you know why? The teacher, it was, she was trying to help me out. She's like, just get up there and say something. I can at least give you like a 25 or a 50 or something to help. I was like, no, I'm not doing it, period. I took it, why? You think that's crazy. You're speaking out. I know. First of all, I'd say it's God, okay, first of all. Second of all, I'll tell you, I didn't know what I was doing. That's why I, t- I didn't know how to speak publicly. Most people are afraid to speak publicly or in groups because they don't know how to do it. Survey, so, and this is a study that went back from the 70s, but it, and they change every year. But if you go to the overall, this survey still kind of stands true. So 14 things they studied, the greatest fears that people have, and this is in America. And granted, listen, you take any year out and seclude it, it would be something unique. Like, I mean, I don't know what it could be. You pick like in... You know, 9-11, people are probably afraid to fly. You know, things like that. You take all that stuff out, and there would be a unique thing that would bump up. But overall, these kind of is where it lands. So I'm going to show you these 14 things. Look at this. Worst four, uh, 14 worst human fears, and this is by Bruskin Associates. Here's number one. Speaking before a group. That's the worst. Everybody says that's, it's worse than dying. There's one study that says 75% of people would rather, they'd rather die than speak in public. That's awful. That's awful. But don't you look on some of these things. There's, they're more afraid of speaking before a group than deep water. 
have you guys seen Jaws? <laughs> to me, that goes above public speaking by far. But I do it a little bit so I can understand maybe why. Here's the thing. Today, loneliness and death kind of edged out public speaking, but it's still the third on the list. The third thing. Like insects and bugs, to me, they wig me out more. There's some real weird stuff, man, out there, you know? I don't know where the escalators came in. Maybe you, people are traumatized by what they saw, a kid get trapped and sucked under the thing. I don't know what happened. Apparently, that made the list, though, right? My point in showing you this is public speaking is not the most difficult thing to do. It's really not hard. But it is very, very intimidating. Very. Because you know this, and I'm not talking about just here, but if you speak in front of a group, if you speak in front of your peers at school, if you go in for a small, if you do anything where you are on the spotlight in front of a group, everyone is watching you, what? Bear your soul. You can say, I've got information I want to share with you today. I'm going to share. It doesn't matter. No matter the information that you do, you're sharing from your soul. And the thing about speaking publicly is, it's one of those interesting things, this, and I'll give you this, this little quote that I, I kind of come up with. The context of your speech is developed either by preparation or revelation. You speak out of whatever is inside you. This is why it's so fearful. Because what if I say something that's wrong? What if I say something that they are going to judge me by? What if I say something and they laugh at me? What if I say something and they judge me based on what I have just said? And the thing is, that's what we're all afraid of. It's if I share it and you laugh at me or you ridicule me or you don't accept me because I just share, I just bared my soul. I hate to say it, but it's kind of weird. But, you know, it's like I went to a group one time. We were all sitting around the room. And I can share this part because this is not, you know, everything else was private. But this part was, you know, kind of laugh. We all talked about this pastor in the room. He's from the Bronx. We're all sharing different things. We're all leaders of different organizations, some in different businesses, and we were all sharing about some of the difficulties we had. First time I learned how to express my voice about what was going on in my life. And so as we're talking, this one guy didn't share anything for the whole time. This one guy finally called. He's from the Bronx. You know, he's like, what's up? You know, he's just got this attitude. You know, New Yorkers, and he's like this Bronx attitude. He was so funny. He finally looks at the guy who never said it. He said, hey, man, why aren't you saying anything? Like, very serious. You know, I thought, whoa, man, this is... This has gotten real all of a sudden. He's like, why are you not saying anything? He's I'm just enjoying being here. He said, really? Because I feel like I just got my underwear in front of you, man, and you're not saying anything. I was like, who says that? You know, he didn't care. The idea is when you share publicly in front of people, it's like, really? They just said, you're kind of exposed. People can see into your heart, and that's what makes it so fearful because people can really see you. When you share publicly. But the fear of public speaking is really affected by ideas and thoughts from somewhere else. And it's from this. It's called your inner voice. So you have a public voice that we all use sometimes. Even if you don't like to, we all do. But you also have an inner voice. Now, I ain't trying to get all psychological on you. But I do think it's time that Christians actually accept some ideas that God created that are in the Bible and quit trying to placate everything to faith and start accepting some realities that God said is true and open up our hearts and our souls a little more to what God is saying versus just saying, oh, by faith, I'm going to be fine. 
Okay, by faith you're going to be fine. That's great. But how are you? I'm fine in Jesus' name. Okay, that's great. You're fine in Jesus' name. That's great. But how, I mean, how's everybody else around you? Oh, they're all fine in Jesus' name. And they're not. And they're just not. Because we, we, we say, well, because Jesus loves me and because I'm a Christian, I should have everything together in my life. But guess what? How do you know? We don't. I don't know about you, but maybe your family's just like Rosie and you got picket fences around your house and apple trees and everything blooms. Your flowers are yellow. The bees never sting. Everything's just like there's music playing. We walk home. It's like the Andy Griffith show or something, you know? That's what it's like when you go to your house. But everyone else that's in here right now besides that one family, whoever you might be in here, no, there's nobody in here like that. We all have stuff going on. But the idea that says, I'm a Christian, I should have it all, everything should be fine. But that's not the way God created us. That's not even Bible. The Bible tells us this, when I'm at my weakness, my most weak point, that's when his grace is sufficient. You'll never get God's grace to help you exceed some situation or get out of if you don't admit you're weak. Now, that right there is enough. You could just go home today and change your life. If the person who goes around and says, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong, well, guess what God says? Well, you don't need me. It's the person who says, I'm weak. I, I, God, I need your help right now. I need your strength right now. I need you to come through for me right now. Lord, I need your grace. That's when he says, you're at your weakest. I see that. Now I can step in. It's for those of us who say we're so strong, we don't need anything from God. He goes, okay, well, I'll just wait. It's getting worse. You ready now? I'm strong in Jesus' name. Sure about that? Because you're looking kind of puny. The number one reason I think public, our public voice is affected by our ideas and our thoughts that come from this voice is the inner voice. And the Bible clearly defines us as having three parts. I'm going to share something with you, and then we're going to move right through this, but I'm going to share i got to share this so it makes sense what I'm talking about. You're a three-part being, and I, don't have to, I could preach a whole series on this, okay? But I can't today, so you just got to catch what I'm saying, and, and you can do more study for it if you want, okay? But you're a three-part being, okay? You are a spirit. No matter what everyone else is telling you and creating these ideas, and all, you're a spirit, and I'll show you from the Scripture why, but you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body, okay? Makes sense? It's the easiest way I can explain it to you. But you are a spirit, now, let me share with you a little bit about this from scriptures. First Thessalonians 5.23 says this. This is your Bible. It teaches this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and your soul and your body, three parts, be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three parts. I'll give you one more verse of scripture, and we'll talk about it. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, we quote that a lot. We post it on stuff. We put it on stickers. But listen to the rest of the verse. And piercing. You take a sword, you pierce something, right? He's piercing something. It's able to pierce as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow. Joints and marrow are what? Body parts. Spirit, soul, and body. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Heart here is talking about your soul, your mind, will, and your emotions. And I can prove that to you in a moment, but you just kind of hang on just for there. It, the Word of God is so strong. There's things in the Bible that help your body. There's things in the Bible that help your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And there's things in there that help your spirit. But all three parts of you, they are different. 
And if you try to fix a soulish problem with a spiritual answer, it doesn't work. If I give you the answer, and I was a guy that did really, I'm like, I, I don't know, I'm not that big, I don't know a lot about health and exercise. I know enough to get me, I know enough to be dangerous, okay? So, but if I was a really, really strong person, knew a lot about exercise, and you came up to me and you said, hey man, I'm really dealing with something in my life, I'm really struggling with my marriage right now, I need some help, and I said, you know what, here's what you need to do. There's some great protein powder I use. If you'll go get that and some bananas, bananas are important because they have potassium. You throw that in there. Throw your little oatmeal as well, blend it all up real good, a little honey, it's good for you, tastes great, it's going to help your marriage. What would you think? Yeah, because why? Because a physical answer is not going to help a soulish issue, nor is a soulish answer going to fix a physical issue. Do you see the difference? So let's talk about each each of these areas right now, it's particularly, I'm not going to talk about the body, you understand what I'm saying, and I'm not going to talk about the spirit as much, some, but particularly I want to talk today about your voice and why it's connected so much to your soul. The first one we're going to talk about is this, the word psych. Now, in, in your Bible, it would be pronounced this, S-P-S-U-C-H-E, but it's the word psych, or psyche, we would say. It's a word called soul. It's the immaterial part of a person, which is the actuating cause of an individual life. We'll put it on the screen for you. The side of all the physiological faculties, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you're, this part of you right here, it's your mind. It's what you think with. It's what you do all that math homework with, guys. You know what I'm saying? This is the part you like, oh, you know. And then your will is the part of you that decides, yes, I'm going to do something. No, I don't want to do something. It's your choice. Free will. My choice. And then there is your emotions. It's the part of you that feels pain. It's happy. It's sad. It's emoticons. It's, or, it's, or it's angry eyes or whatever you pick. That's that part. Why do we do that in the text message? It's because we have to explain, here's how I feel right now. That's the part of you. That's your emotions. This is expressed in verses of Scripture. So Colossians 3.24, let you hear this. This is your psyche, the soul part of you. The Bible says in Colossians 3.23... It says to work from the heart. Now, this is from the message version of the Bible. It says work from the heart for your real master for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. Now, watch. Here's what he says. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Question. Do you think he's talking about spiritual things right there? Or is he talking about your soulish area of life? Now, I'm not trying to be a trick question, but here's the point I'm making. He can't be talking about spiritual things as far as your spirit, because your spirit's been reborn by Jesus Christ, if you will. God, he gave you a new spirit. Jesus paid the price through his blood, did he not? He forgave you of all your sins, did he not? He redeemed you. He is in the process. He sanctified you, man. He's made you holy where you come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for mercy in the time of need, right? So listen, if that's the case... If you read this from the standpoint of a heaven or hell verse of Scripture, here's what you're going to think. I've got to work really hard for my heart for Master Jesus. I've got to really give it everything i got because, man, if I don't, man, I'm going to be held responsible. God's going to hold it over my head and I may not get in. So many people read the Bible and they don't know the difference between spirit and soul. So they read this and say, if I work really, really hard, then God's going to accept me one day when I get to heaven. Let me just tell you right now. I don't care how hard you work. You can work every day for the rest of your life. 
Get of it everything you got, man. Be the best Christian on the planet, and that will not get you to heaven. If it wasn't, and if it, the blood doesn't do it, you're not going to be able to get any more better than the blood. And if you can get in because of your great work, then that means the rest of us get to get in because of our great work. And that is not how it works. So he can't be talking about spirit here, but he is talking about the soul. Work hard unto the Lord. This is why in Colossians it says the same thing. If you work as unto the Lord, not as unto your boss, he's a big old jerk sometimes. You know, he makes you angry. He says goofy things. He makes you go get stuff that you don't want to do. But the Bible says work as unto who? The Lord. That means it's all about what? My mind, my will, and my emotions. It's how am I going to treat my boss if he is a jerk? I'm going to overlook his jerkness, and I'm going to work as unto who? Jesus. Why am I doing that? Because I am showing and sharing the light. That is all soulish areas of your life. You have to get settled on this. Spirit has been reborn by God. If the blood wasn't enough, no amount of work you're going to do is ever going to make it better. If the blood, you got to settle it, man. The blood is enough. Jesus paid it all, and that was enough. Everything else is me working out my salvation with fear and trembling before God. But I am, I'm set on this one thing. I am going to meet Jesus one day. Why? Because he, he shed his blood for me. Got to be settled. Here's the next part. I'm going to give you this, okay, so to separate the two. The next one is pneuma, which is spirit. So the first one was psyche, which was your soul. The next one is pneuma. This is your spirit. This is which is the rational and immortal soul. It's your spirit. Now, 2 Timothy 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 7. Listen to what the difference is in the context of Scripture. For God has not given us a what? Spirit. Very clear. And sometimes you have to look at these words and make sure they really mean the spirit or does it mean the soul? Sometimes when you read the word heart, is it really the spirit or is it the soul? Because they, they, the translators, you have to understand, they bounced between the two sometimes. And in our English, is kind of messed up. I know we think it's cool. We got the best language in the world. We think we're cool and all that, but it's really not. Any other nation you go to, they'll say English is difficult. Because so many other languages, they cross over and they're so easily, they work together. English kind of stands on its own. We make up a bunch of stuff, man. We have so much slang. Like, you know, we have all kinds of stuff we make up. And people in other nations go like, what did you just say? Even if you translate it, it doesn't make sense. So this is, the, again, this is talking about the spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. That tells you what kind of spirit you have. Verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Watch this, verse 9, who has what? Let's say it together, who has what? Saved us. That's clear. Paul was very clear to Timothy, he has saved us. Done. I'm pausing for a moment because I really want us to understand. He has saved us, rescued you, redeemed you. No longer are you bouncing before, well, am I or am I not? Did I do enough good stuff to get in or did I not? Have I done enough bad things that I'm going to get kicked out? I don't know. No, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our That was so weak. I got to tell you, 
not according to our works. He saved you. But according to his own purpose and his grace, which was granted us in Jesus Christ from all eternity. But now he's been revealed by the appearing of, our Jesus, of Jesus, our Savior, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This spirit right here he's talking about is pneuma. It is the rebirth of the Christian. Spirit, this is what you really are. You are a spirit. That's the part of you that got born again. And you have a soul. You have a psyche. I say you're psycho. I said you got a psyche. You know? Maybe some other people may wonder. I don't know. But anyway, you, you have a psyche, okay? The mind, the will, and emotions. That's not the part of you that's been born again. If it was, watch this. If it was, you'd think different after you said yes to Jesus. You'd act different after you said yes to Jesus. And so many people struggle with this. Why do I still have this? Why do I still do the things I don't want to do? It's because you hadn't changed all the way yet, baby. You're still doing what you're talking about. 30 years of stuff you did that was a pattern, a habit, an issue, and all this. And now one day you come to Jesus and give it all to Jesus and leave here crying. And we go, well, now, why am I not different? Because your spirit got born again, but your mind still thinks the same way. That's why God says, the Bible says, Paul says, renew your mind with the word of God so that you might be what? Transformed. But it comes from his word. Why are we going to renew our mind? Because that's the part of you, the psyche, the part of you that is not born again. But the spirit man is born again. He's the one or she's the one when you come to church. He was ready to get here this morning. He, you don't have to worry about the spirit. They all, he always wants to do what's right. He's the one that says, let's love him in Jesus' name. The one that you got to worry about is up here. I hate him. You know, I don't want to go to church today. Why do I think that way? I don't know. Why do Because your mind doesn't want to do anything. Your body's, and if they get in agreement, forget it. If your mind says, I don't want to get up, and your body says, I don't either, and they're in agreement, your spirit's like, we ain't going anywhere today. I can tell you right now. <laughs> but if you can ever get your mind to line up with your spirit, oh, man, all of a sudden your body says, man, what? why y'all bothering me? Like, let me do some stuff. I want to do what I always did. No, your mind says, well, I can't. He keeps feeding me with this Bible. The Bible keeps saying this, so all I know is to tell you, we can't do that anymore. You can't treat them like that. We got to love them like Jesus or something. Man, I don't know why. We just got to. Because your spirit's kind of leading. Your mind is in agreement. And your body just has to go along with it. Your body will go anywhere this right here is filled with. If you feed it with, like, I like watching the cooking show sometimes. But if you, if you feed it with only the cooking shows, your body's going to be like, hey, let's cook. It's true. If you go to the gym long enough and you watch enough and you read enough about the gym and you read and study all this stuff, your body's going to say, well, I guess we need to lift something. You know, I guess I need to say no to soda and start drinking more water or whatever. It's all about alignment. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So next thing, let me go to the next one. This is the part very important. It's the word Zoe. Now, I have a, I have a niece named Zoe. It's a beautiful name. We could say Zoe, but it's pronounced in the Greek would be Zoe. It's the life of God. That's what it means. And it says this. It says vitality, life in the absolute sense. It's life as God has it. It's that which the Father has in himself. And it's which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself. This is the life of God. Now, I want you to listen very carefully 
to this verse of Scripture because this is the word zoe. So look at this. It's in John chapter 3 and verse 13. We'll put it on the screen for you. John chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses was lifted up, as, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Talking about the crucifixion. So that everyone who believes in him will have Zoe, eternal life. It means the life of God. There is no denying this. Theologians will tell you this, that as a Christian, the party that's been born again is this. You have been given Zoe, the same life that Jesus was given from God from on heaven, you have in your life right now. That's the power of the spirit that you have in you. And the thing is this about that whole thing about having Zoe is, Why? Your spirit is just, man, waiting for this right here to agree with it. If it could just get this part up here to lock in with it, man, we will run this body. It's not going to be in control anymore. But the longer, is it no wonder why the devil says, well, you better not read that. You know what you did today. Oh, you better open that. Well, that don't apply to you because you know you've blown it so many times. Oh, you know what? You better not read your Bible today because you know why? You know, it's not popular today. It's not politically correct anymore to read your Bible. No wonder he's telling people that because he knows if you read more of this, it's going to transform this. And this is going to line up with this. And if those two get together, it's going to change your life. Contrary to what I know, it sounds too easy. Are you telling me, Pastor, I just got to read my Bible and everything else gets fixed? No. There's application that takes place as well. You can't just read it. can't be just a hearer. got to be a doer. But the more you read it, I promise you, the more you're going to do it. It's a byproduct of it. So let me give you a couple of things Jesus said, and we'll move on. Luke 21, 19. He says, by standing firm, you'll win your souls. This is not talking about spirit. Not talking about spirit. He's talking about your mind, your will, and emotions. And New King James is like this, by your patience, possess your soul. It means, man, you've got to get that thing under control. Possess you your soul. James says it like this. James 121, listen to this. He says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept what? The word, that's what we're talking about. Humbly accept God's word, which has been planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul, your psyche, not your spirit. You don't, the word of God does not save your spirit. Jesus and his blood saves your spirit. But this right here will transform your soul. Your mind will start thinking differently. Your emotions will be affected. And, and, and not only that, your will will begin to change. The things you think, I don't know why I used to do that. But then all of a sudden you just find yourself doing it. You go like, hey. I mean, you don't want to be prideful about it. But pretty soon you look around and go, like, you know what? I hadn't dropped it. That four-letter word in a while. Like, you know, I'm treating my wife a little bit better. I wonder if she notices that. Man, I've been treating my husband differently. I wonder if he's aware. It just begins to happen. You will change. But it's important to know the difference between spirit, soul, and body. Does that make sense, everybody? I share all that with the inner voice because, listen, do you know the one that's most of the time talking? We say our inner voice, inner voice, inner voice. We know what really it's at. 
the inner voice inside our minds is telling us the majority of what we believe about ourselves, about what we've been told about ourselves, and it's out of control. It tells us all kinds of things. The Spirit, though, let me tell you what he or she says. He'll line up, she'll line up with everything God says about you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every single day, ask your spirit, what, do you, am I the righteousness? Yeah, absolutely we are. It's like an, and it doesn't, it doesn't worry about sin or am I doing enough good things or bad. It's, it's fully confident in the work of Jesus Christ. Completely. It doesn't go, well, man, you know, I wish I didn't have that attitude today. No, no, no. It's, no, let's, let's take authority over our attitudes today. It's, it's amazing how your spirit is wired by God. But your soul is where this inner voice comes from. And it's the part of us that needs to be able to talk or needs to be able to express. If it's only you, it'll tell you all kinds of things. So it leads me to this last area which is the private voice. This is the one that most of us, we use it more than anything else. The private voice. Now, I watched a movie the other night, <clears throat> or sometime back, I can't remember when it was exactly, but this is a movie called Deepwater Horizon. I don't know if you've seen it. If you watch it, you know, I'm not recommending it to, like, you know, it's got, it's pretty graphic. And uh, it's about an explosion happened on an oil rig. Remember 2010, it went down to BP and down in the Gulf. And this thing, it is intense, like tense movie. And I'm watching this, and so they're talking about in this movie, if you've ever seen or if you remember about this, what took place, there's this big, big drill, basically, that's taking place, floating on the ocean on a big boat, if you will, simplifying it, but that's the context of it all. They're drilling through the bottom of the ocean to get oil. That's the whole idea. Well, as they're doing it, they have to drill down deep enough to get to the oil. But the oil is under extreme pressure. So in... And in, in the way to make it safe, they, they drill down and they put these pipes in, but they encase the floor and the pipes and everything else with concrete. The concrete is withstanding X amount of pounds per pressure per square inch, and the oil is, exceeds X amount pounds per square inch. So the idea is you put enough concrete in, strong enough, it'll hold the pressure of the oil. We can cap it off, and we can extract the oil and put it into refineries, and you can drive around your car. That's the idea. Simple, but much more complex. They drill down, they drill down, they drill down, and basically, the guys in charge, not the guys on the oil rig, but the guys in charge of moving this thing forward says, it's ready to go, let's get the oil. And the guy that's over it says, I don't think we're ready. I think we need to do more testing. The guy who wants the oil says, no, we're not. Let's do another, one more test, but we're getting the oil out. And what began to happen was, they wouldn't listen to the guy who said, let's make sure we're ready Let's go check it again. Let's, put, let's test the concrete. They followed some guy who didn't know what he was talking about, but just wanted the oil out. He made a call. They began to release the oil. And what happened was the pressure of the oil exceeded the pressure of the pipe that it was in. It couldn't hold the pressure. And, it, and when it did, there was no stopping it. Couldn't plug the hole. It was disaster. And I share that with you because this is how we all operate in a sense. You have every single day of your life things that are being put into you. Every single day you have people saying things to you. Every single day of your life you have inner voice 
things that are being said to yourself, if you will. You talk to yourself. You've heard things about yourself. And every single day, someone out in your community, yourself or whatever, you're hearing the enemy. It's all coming in. And it's going down deep, real deep. And if you don't have a way to extract that safely, one day, you're going to be like that oil rig. And it's going to go kaboom, like big time. Because you're not made to contain that type of pressure on your own. No one is. I'm not, listen to me, Jesus was not. How's that possible? Do you remember when he was in the garden? What did he do when he went to the garden? He went to pray. Why did he pray? Because he needed to extract all that was coming against him. And he was under such duress, the Bible says he sweated drops of blood. It's a medical condition when you have such great stress. We might have other issues. He sweated drops of blood because of such great anguish he was under. Because humanity can't handle the pressure of everything. You have to extract it at some point. So how do you do that? Well, let me just say what Jesus says and prove to you that's true first. Luke 6.45 says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth fruit, a good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The problem with the private voice is this. If you don't have an area or someone or relationship or people to talk to, it just stays buried. It just, it just sits there under the ocean floor. And it's just more and more, and more, and to the point where eventually the pressure that is below the surface begins to be greater than the pipe that can handle it. And eventually it either comes out vocally or it will come out in a way that you don't want it to. And we've all done it before, haven't we? Don't look at your neighbor and think they're so Christian. I promise you they have let things come out of their mouth. They It's too late. It's out. You can't pull it back now. Now all you can do is fix the damages. It's easier to take the time to extract safely than it is to fix stuff after it comes out and explodes. It's much easier. And so how do you do that? Well, listen to what the New American Commentary says about this. It says, a tree is to its fruit what a person's heart is to his or her speech. You may not have intended to say it the way you said it, but you intended to say it. I'm going to say that again in case you overlooked that part and thought he's talking to somebody else. No, no, no. It, you may not have intended for it to come out the way that it did, but you did mean to say it because out of the abundance of the heart, now I'm putting my, my hand here, but it could be out of the, the abundance of your emotion, your psyche, your soul, out of the abundance. When you fill that thing up, man, it stuff's going to come out no matter what you say. I didn't mean to say that to you. I didn't mean to be that way. I didn't mean to say, yes, you did. You just didn't mean to say it that way. And the reason why we say things the way that we do, we don't want to, is because down deep, it's too much pressure. We need to release that a little bit more often instead of once every 25 years at your Christmas family reunion. <laughs> you know? Like, you, it's a slow, it's got to be... And so this is why most of us, though, are much more comfortable with this voice in a sense when we get around people that we know. 
Isn't it funny how, now watch this, I'm going to show you. You might be scared to death thinking up here for life. I called five of you out right now. If I just walked off here and said, hey, I'm going to give you the rest of my notes. I want you to finish this message. I'm going to pick out five of y'all right now. Like, raise your hand right now. Let me see if y'all do it. How many of y'all in here would do it? I know there's got to be a few, right? Come on. Look at this. Asher, would this man right here this time? There's a few of y'all right there. Yeah, she's like, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll do it. But do you know how? Why? Because you're like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Would you do that? Because you, it's, think about it. But if you get around yourself and no one else is there, and listen, don't look at me like you don't do this because I'm telling you right now, look, not being mean, I'm tired of Christians not acting real about stuff. You know as well as I know, you talk to yourself or you think about stuff, and you sometimes answer yourself too. No, you can act like all day long you don't do it, but yeah, you do. I know you do. Crazy stuff, like talking about psyche. I know we do. I drive down the road talking to myself, thinking like, you know, man, I'm just thinking about this, thinking about that. And all of a sudden, I think I'm answering myself. What am I? You're driving the road, miss my turn sometimes, thinking about stuff, you know? Like, what was I thinking? All of us do that. Why is it that we're so comfortable? Public speaking, I don't know so much about that. The inner voice, man, will all day long. Privately, speaking to two or three friends that we know and trust, why is it we're so comfortable to talk about stuff around them? And you will. And don't say you can't do it, because I know we do. Like, I mean, all it takes is if you get around people, if you're, if you're just the least little bit of friend, you'll talk about your spouse with them. You'll talk about your spouse, talk about your ex-spouse, talk about your kids, talk about your neighbor's kids, talk about your neighbor's yard, talk about your neighbor's dog, talk about your neighbor who always is out there. When you're trying to work in your yard, they want to talk to you by the fence. You'll talk about them, won't you? Yeah, you will. You'll talk about the price of food. You'll talk about the price that's cheaper at Kroger versus Publix. You'll talk about that. You'll talk about how much it costs, man, now to get a beverage at Las Palmas. But don't talk about that. Let's talk about how much the cheese dip is. What's up with that? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about you. You can talk about anything. I can guarantee you, if you know them just the least little bit, you will begin, you just talk. But it's funny, cheese dip isn't deep enough. Cheese dip is not going to get the job done. It's an introductory and it's an open door, but talking about cheese dip ain't going to change your life. You might find it cheaper in another place, but it's not going to change your life. This is why we have small groups. Now, I'm going to say this to you, and I love you in the name of Jesus. But surface-level Christianity isn't real Christianity. The ability to come into church and wear a mask, let me just say, don't look at me like you. I know you got a mask on. We all got a mask on. Until I get to know you well enough, I'll take it off. But if I don't know you, I'm not taking my mask off. It's not my friend who was from the Bronx. Why was he so mad? Because he felt like, man, listen, I've been sharing everything. I'm in my underwear, man. You in your clothes. What's up? This is such a weird example, I know, but you can see why he's so frustrated. He's bearing his soul, and the other guy's like, I ain't saying nothing. It's not, it's not very fair. I feel like I've just shared something very personal with you, and yet you, you yourself, I can't tell, is this a safe spot anymore? That's what it means. And the reason why we don't want to have as much private voice conversation with people is, watch this. Church has been notorious for taking something that someone shared that was sacred and blasting it out there publicly. And I'm not condemning, but can I just be as strong as I can without condemning? God help you if you do that to people's feelings and their, their lives.
if someone shares something so sacred with you that was so personal that they thought you were going to help and then you just shared it with 20 other people. God help you. And I don't mean that God's... I'm just saying, God have mercy in it because to me, that is a violation on so many levels. Because you know what it does to people? They say, I'll never trust another Christian again. Why do you think Dr. Phil was so popular? And Oprah? I mean, you know, they ran for years. Why do you think they were so popular? It's because they needed to talk to somebody and they couldn't go to church. You know why? Because they're used to hearing that people in the church just share all their stuff. I'm not saying we do that. I'm just telling you, I'm empathizing with a moment. I know why people don't want to do it. Because it happened to me here, and I don't want I understand. This is why it takes time to go deep. But the reality is, if you don't, you're going to have issues no matter what. You've got to find somebody you can just talk to. That's why group's so important. Now, I'm going to close out with this last thought. Just to hear me out on this about groups. The thing that makes this so important, so valuable, is because it's connected to something that we call, I know it sounds psychological, but just it's not, it's biblical. It's called vulnerability. It's called, I am willing to put myself out there enough because I need somebody I can talk to. And listen, Haley and I, I love Haley. She loves me. We're married and we talk a lot. But she'll tell you right now that sometimes if you're married, you can talk about things all day long. But if you have the same perspective, you're only bouncing the same thing off each other. That is, it's the same dialogue. Sometimes you need other people's perspective to give you a different viewpoint so that you can see something about you or the situation that you don't know. So you can say, oh, well, I'm married and that's all I need. I'll, let me challenge you a little bit on that. It's not true. It's not true. Because eventually you will just have your own ideology and no one else can challenge you because you say, well, I'm fine. I'm, I don't need anybody else. And I'm just, that's not true. It's not true at all. So let me just say this. You compliment one another in a marriage. But who's really going to confront you? Who's really going to... Your wife may do this and your husband may do this, yes. But there's a difference if you can only see the same thing. You've got to see other perspectives sometimes. So <clears throat> the way this works is bottom line. You have to trust people. And I understand this, that, again, I'm saying that this, hear me out. Private conversations. These are things we would not post on social media. We wouldn't put it out there on Instagram. I mean, there's no public conversations. And the thing is, most people, they'll do it if they can just trust them. And i got to tell you, listen, man, as a pastor, this is the cry of more people than you can even imagine. Probably the majority of you in the room right now would just say, I would love to have a group of friends that I could share things and just talk through life sometimes if I could just trust them. It's the, it's the word that holds it all together. If I could just trust them. So again, this is why groups are so important. You need a place to express your psyche. Not your psycho. Your psyche. And nobody's going to call you psycho either. Even if it sounds a little crazy. In our, everybody's got crazy in their life, okay? Everybody does. 
Now, this doesn't mean if you go to a group, let me just say this, doesn't mean if you go to a group, they're going to give you the four every week and let you just, blah. The thing I found about a small group is this. I might be in the group with people and learning about the Bible or learn about things, whatever. But here's what I found. Usually in that group, I'll find a couple of people. We may talk shop about something later. Maybe we're eating some snacks. Snacks are awesome. If you've got snacks, a little coffee or something, and you can t- sometimes you just talk about some things that you might not in the whole group, but you find a few people, and now you've got someone that can just dialogue with you. You might find somebody's going through the same thing that you're going through in your life, and they've already been there. It can help you miss a couple of bad steps just by listening to them. So today, I'm sharing all this with you today because my prayer is this when we leave that you'll find a great group to be a part of. My other prayer is this, and I think we could all just agree right now to do this. Even if we've made mistakes and shared stuff in the past, and listen, I don't, we, I don't know of any of that here. I'm just telling you, I know when you come to a church, I understand if you're here and you're questioning, like, man, I don't know if I want to do that because last time this happened, I understand. I don't think anybody does that here. I haven't heard that. If they did, we'd shut it down. That, that's my problem. If I find out somebody is like, telling stuff, about, I would shut that down. It might take a while for me to find out about it, but if I find out, I will shut it down. I'm not kidding because I care too much about people. But just listen to me. My prayer is that you will find a group. My also prayer is this, that everybody in this room, we could all just agree right now. If we go to a small group, that we learn to trust people and let people go deep with things, but not share that with other people that we would trust one another to play. Biblically, biblical community, that's what they did. If you want to know what the biblical community did in Acts and some of the other Bible writings you see, this is what they did. You know why? Because this is the conversations they had. They would get together and they would say things like, man, they're after me. Who's after you? It, Paul's guys, man, they're after me. They're going to kill me. Oh, man, what are we going to do? I don't know. Where are we going to meet at for church this week? I don't know. When you think the power went off was one thing, man, they, these guys had a lot of issues going on. They had to meet upstairs, downstairs, basements, behind the baskets, whatever. They, they would always have issues. They would come together. They had to just, man, download that stuff. So you're no different than they were in that time, and we all have things we need to share. So as we close out today, that's my prayer for you. You take the time to grow in your, your, your heart. You take the time to grow in your, in, in your soul. You take the time to grow in your spirit. But that you would allow God to help heal and develop your, the psyche part of you. So right now, I'm asking our worship team to come up, and, and I want to pray for you. And I want to ask you a couple of things that, that, that are very real. Maybe just close your eyes for a moment, just, just right there where you're at. And I just want to challenge you with a couple of questions, okay? And these questions are designed to simply ask you and to be honest with yourself for this moment. First of all, if I were to ask you, how are you doing emotionally? And that doesn't mean that surface level, you can tell me all day later you're fine. That's what the, the coined answer in Georgia is. How you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Everybody's fine. If we were honest, people say, you know what? Life stinks right now. You know what? I got crazy family right now. I got, my job is awful. But nobody says that. We just say, oh, I'm fine. And we're not. So if I ask you right now, truly, and you answer to God, how am I doing emotionally? 
right now in my, in my psyche, in my, the psyche part of my life, my mind, my, my emotions, how am I doing? If I said a one to 10, and in my heart, I just gave myself a number, this is just between you and God right now, what would that number be? To be honest, give it to God right now. Just close your eyes just between you and the Lord right now. One to 10, how am I doing emotionally? How am I doing? One to 10. Now, five being average, you're hanging in there, you're doing okay. You know, eight would be like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty healthy. I can help other people process some things. Ten would be like, you know, Dr. Phil, okay? But like, if, you, if you're under five, you, if you gave yourself under five, like, man, I, I'm struggling. Can I just encourage you to make the decision to really pursue a group, a relational environment right now. Because no amount of preaching that I do from this platform is going to help you on an emotional level. That's something that happens through relationship. God designed you for relationship. Not for a, a preacher-ship. That's a Sunday morning thing we do. It's, it's biblical, but that's not community. That's one guy just preaching. If it's under five, I just want to challenge you Put aside your schedule of whatever else is going on and say, man, God, I surrender. I need, I need to have this right now in my life. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and I ask you, Lord, to help those that are in this room right now. God, help us all, first of all. We all need help with different areas. We all need help emotionally. We need help, Lord, in our, in our, in our psyche, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions. And you created us, God, with these beautiful giftings. But God, they, they really are transformed. They really are developed by relationship. And so I ask you, Lord, right now to help us all grow, to help us develop this part of our lives. And I pray for those right now that they need relational environments where they can begin to extract some things from their life safely, that they can get around trusting relationships and people that will love them or people that will accept them and it will help them just walk out their life. I just pray for them right now that you'd help them, Lord, find that right relational environment here at our church. Just strengthen them, Lord. Strengthen them in the name of Jesus, we pray. And I just pray that you're here right now, I just want to share this well. Maybe you're here. And if it's your mental life, you know, your mind, your will, and your emotions. I mentioned emotions, but what about your mental life? Is your job so stressing you out that, you know, you're just making poor decisions? Your, your mind, you're just exhausted mentally. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for those individuals right now. Lift them up to you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus you would strengthen them, Lord. And, Lord, the only way that's going to change <clears throat> is by them getting in some form of relational environment. They've got to have something to safely just extract that as well, Lord. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, help them to find that area. Lord, I just pray that you give them peace, Lord. I just pray that there's a verse of Scripture that talks about peace, that, Lord, that, that God, you give us peace beyond all understanding. And so, Lord, I just pray that today. There are some that are in this room, Lord, that they don't have peace right now. They have mental anguish, and I just pray in the name of Jesus, you'd give them peace that's beyond all understanding. That you give them a calmness right now, Holy Spirit, 
a moment where they understand, Lord, you're right here with them. Peace in Jesus' name. Lord, you calmed the storm when it was raging and the waves were overtoppling the boat. You said, peace be still in the midst of a storm to the disciples. And so in Jesus' name, I just speak your word, peace, Lord. Peace in every family, peace in every home, peace in every relationship in this room right now in the name of Jesus. We just command the enemy, whatever he might be trying to do, to stir up turmoil or stress in the name of Jesus. We just ask you to stop him right now, Lord, by your power and by your grace in Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Lord. And God, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, I pray today they receive you as their, as their Lord and their Savior. So with your eyes closed right now, we're going to pray a prayer. We pray every Sunday this prayer. If you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor, I don't know if I know Jesus, but I need to know that I am saved. I don't want to have wishy-washy feelings anymore. I don't want to have this question if I'm going to heaven or not. I want to know I'm saved. I want you to pray this prayer with me and everybody else in this room right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to save me. I am yours, and you are mine, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, give me a hand, would you? So proud of you. Hey, listen, here's what we'd love to do. If you'll take a moment, we're going to sing one more song of worship. You'll do us a favor. just want to help you get started walking with Christ. And seat back in front of you, there's a, there's a little card right there. Just a simple communication card. It's no, not, not a lot of information, just simple stuff. Tell us today, I pray to receive Christ. I pray to renew my faith in Christ. Whatever it is, we just want to help you get started walking with Christ. If you're visiting, you're in town, you know, for whatever reason, you don't have a home church, we'd love to get, you, get to know you, help you out with some of that. If you're, you know, looking for a church, we'll help you with that as well. But, man, we just want to help you get started on your pathway to discipleship with Christ, okay? So if you do that for us while we sing this song, that'd be great. Everybody else, let's all stand up this morning. Let's all sing together. Why don't we do that? Worship one more time before we go.